developing your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records. This is Ross Coulthard, and you are listening to That UFO Podcast. Think on, was there any disappointment you had with the UFO topic in 2023? Anything that kind of came to mind? Dan, you're nodding first, so let me come to you first while Nathan and Graham maybe ponder on that. So for me, the most frustrating point of the year was everything around the mummies that came from Peru. And I'm not commenting on whether they're real or not. The frustrating thing came from how they were presented, the conversation around them, and how that story is developed. There was an anthropological find in Peru, and someone wanted to present that. That presentation came out as someone bandying bodies about on kind of, you know, these exposed sheets at a Mexico UFO hearing. That hearing had a whole bunch of, you know, reputable people in attendance. And that moment in the hearing just changed the tone of it 180. I think it was a really good example of where ufology is and where ufology was, you know, many moons ago. You still have a lot of people kind of holding on to, to the mummy thing. And fair enough, you know, they're interesting and they should be studied. But the context they were presented in and what you just said about Grush as well, I think, Andy, kind of emphasizes how when we present this data, it is so important that it's presented professionally and properly from respected bodies and not just, you know, Hey, look at this. I got a mummy, you know, handling it with no gloves and stuff like that. Just the presentation took, you know, made that not very reputable for a lot of people. They see how they were handled. They see how the data is being shared. They see the work that's being done. They see the controversy around, you know, Jaime removing these mummies from Peru and they have them in Mexico to study. And, you know, there was accusations of grave robbing and things like that. All of that noise this subject is complex enough without all of that noise added in. And it's a really simple thing to do. Think about how you're presenting, who your audience is, how you look when you present these things. And comparing the impact and presentation of the mummies to what David Grush had to say is, you know, it's night and day. It's completely different, you know. But one of my most frustrating things that came from it was seeing... Uh, you know, since Grush spoke about the bodies, a lot of media reported on the the Nazca mummies or the Gaia mummies, I should call them, you know, sponsored by Gaia. Um, they reported on that as if they were the bodies that Grush was speaking about. Mm. So the, my frustration comes from uh, a lack of being sensible when you're presenting this stuff and conflation between stories in the media by people writing these articles. I, I think there's a lot of work to do to, to educate people, but also to just kind of clean up the messaging, so to speak. Uh, the mummies weren't the only thing that kind of occupied this space. I would say, you know, the conversation around MH370 and all that stuff occupied it as well. But he'll hear us. He'll hear us. If I say it two more times, he's just appear. Yeah, don't. But yeah, that was a really frustrating point for me. It was just 
you know, is there not enough going on that we need this crap from, you know, 90s standards of ufology to, to bolster this subject? This is a spectacular subject and, and there's so much to talk about and so much to look into that, you know, the, these really low bar things where, you know, now it's turned into Jaime going around saying, hey, you can come see the mummies if you pay me 50 bucks, like some kind of carny show from hundreds of years ago. It's ridiculous. And it's a total, that's the stuff people laugh at. And that's the stuff I'm frustrated with. Yeah, I'm presenting it with him in the UK and 50 bucks is far too cheap. I said to him, Jaime, you can't be doing that. Um, no, but do you know what, Dan? What you said there, though, speaks to Graham's point he made earlier about it's been said before and done before, everything in this topic almost, but it's how it's presented and who presents it and how it's said. If David Grush had came forward with those bodies, imagine, Dan, let me put this to you, exact same scenario, same setting, same people, Jaime, all those other academics. Like you say, there were some respectable people there. Uh, so I'm told I don't know these individuals. I'd be lying if I said I did. So I take people's word for it. But exactly the same. But David Grush is standing beside them. How does that change that for you? I mean, his his reputation makes it something to be curious about, right? But I still don't think the science was there and that it was the proper venue. I feel like if Grush was involved you probably would have had uh, an event somewhere else talking about anthropology and things like that. You know, uh, I see that Graham has just written in the chat, perfect example, Ray Santilli. Um, you, you know, it, it wouldn't necessarily be like that. Um, but as long as it keeps the curiosity alive, like I said earlier, I don't think that the mummies are worth throwing in the bin. I think they're worth doing the work on and looking at. But the presentation on them is what feeds or turns off the curiosity of the rest of the world. So it, it's just whenever we're talking about things, whenever stuff is to be presented, people just need to remember uh, to, to be sensible, you, you know, and involve people with the credentials like David Grush. Like I say, if he'd been stood next to them with Alec disease trick there and Ryan Graves saying, yeah, these, you know, pointed at them going, these look familiar totally different thing or if gary nolan was there having studied the genome and things like that i feel like the presentation happened and then the science came second cool uh let's go on disappointments graham you got one for us i think the disappointment is more just uh, it's, it's frustration as well rather than disappointment um it was when david grush was talking about the 1933 italian case uh, and it's something obviously that's been around for a while. Knowledge, you know, knowledge or, or suspicions or hints about that particular um, sort of story about the the, the sort of the, the craft that was recovered in Italy, then put in a hangar, uh, and it was left through World War Two, and then um, it was recovered by the OSS or the Americans in 1945. Yada yada yada. Now those stories have been out there for some time, um, and there's a lot of information floating around about you know telegrams and other documentation. From Italy during the war, um, but there's just not enough there yet, and there's some aspects of that story. And Andy, and, and, uh, we, we've discussed this beforehand um, in public as well on, on a podcast about you know the, the veracity of some of the claims that were made in this particular tale, um, and. And my frustration is there's just not enough. You know, we haven't got any evidence. And it's it's almost just hearsay again. And I wish it was more than that. I wish it, there was some kind of documentation that could prove or the, the, the actual source of his information could be made known. So at least we could start checking it out. Um, because so, like so many other things that we hear and we see, you know, there's just that extra element that we need to be able to go, yeah, okay, we can use that. That's something that, you know, I can 
positively think, yeah, that's a step in the right direction. Whereas it's just, again, it's just another story as far as I'm concerned. You know, much as I sort of, you know, I respect the individual who's making the claim and the way they're doing it. And, you know, they have credibility because of the professionalism and everything else that you've mentioned already. Um, there's still that kind of lack of tangible, you know, of a tangible information that is just not there. Um, so, yeah, that, that's, again, my disappointment, but also my frustration. But that goes to a lot of other things that you, you know, have released uh, over the last six years that, yes, even the three videos that sort of kick-started, uh, sorry, uh, reignited ufology. Um, we don't have the start and the finish of those videos, and we still don't have them six years down the line, uh, and I wish we did. Uh, and we certainly don't have that 23-minute uh, video yet. So, yeah, it's, it's disappointment's probably the wrong word, but it's, it's certainly frustrating. Or the black triangle coming out the water. That was the one that we're all still waiting on as yeah, well. that one as well, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Nathan, last but not least, any disappointments or frustrations for you from 2023? I think 2023 was the year where I finally stopped caring about videos or photos of, you know, some sort of UAP shared on social media. Um, but it speaks to everything we just talked about here. And that's the, you know, the, the what is the threshold, the bar for evidence and information that needs to be reached in order for this to be taken seriously? And I'm reminded that, you know, we often will lament about this issue in the UFO topic. Oh, I wish we had better evidence, yada, yada, yada. Because if we had better evidence, we'd have a clear understanding of exactly what's going on. But, but let me remind everybody, we have a lot of evidence for some things that have happened in our human history, even the last hundred years, that are world events, that we still are debating about exactly how they happened and what, and, and what took place. I mean, think about, you know, the JFK assassination is a great example of this, you know, who, who was behind it, you know, all the elements, all the players, there's a, a million conspiracy theories about it. And, and it was a very public event uh, with people who were apprehended, you know, who were close to that to that uh, assassination. So uh, this to me speaks to the larger problem of information, like the flood of information that we all are, are kind of swimming in, in this information age. And I think it makes kind of moving ahead with this subject very challenging. How much information is going to be enough for it to be taken credibly? And is it really the information that, that tips the scale or is it something else? Is it more so the social signaling that needs to take place? So is it certain leaders who say, this is real, this is serious, and enough of them saying that together in unison from different countries, as well as uh, you know, people who are famous. I mean, people who hold a lot of sway in, in, in the average person's home because they're, they show up a lot on YouTube or they show up a lot you know, in their entertainment of choice, right? These are the kinds of individuals that, to be frank, are the folks who will tip the scale of this being real more so even than, than actual evidence or, if, or information because we live in an age where the story is really kind of whatever we want it to be. And we can find supporting evidence to make a claim uh, if it suits our bias, it's really, really frustrating, but that's just the nature of, of the world. I, I think that we live in the other thing I, I specifically want to say I was frustrated with was, uh, Bill Nelson's comment about David crush, you know, him sort of, uh, very flippantly saying, 
you know, oh, it was just a friend of a friend. You know, he, he didn't really, you know, what does he really know? I, I mean, that that just to me showed uh, a very unprofessional response, a true lack of knowledge of what David Grush had actually brought forward, the uh, the details of his claims, the links that he went to present that information to official channels, uh, just sort of brush that off. It, it all speaks to the deep-seated stigma around this subject. You know, I, I think that the stigma more so than some nefarious cabal of people planning to stop the release of information is actually what's stopping, you know, people taking this seriously. So I get really frustrated that uh, you have a lot of folks in social media point the finger very quick to point the finger at a lot of people that we all could name that we get frustrated by. Why don't, why do they keep pushing this narrative? Why, why do they not believe that this claim, yada, yada, you'll hear a lot of folks make this statement though. That person is a, is a disinfo agent. They're paid by the DOD or they're on a PSYOP trying to throw us off the trail. Folks, it doesn't require that. The stigma is tr- so strong. It's strong enough that consensus reality has a, a tremendous sway in how things are perceived. And, and, and you're holding on to that. You don't need someone paying you to do it. it. You're already convinced that the world that you came into is the way that it actually is. And for someone to say otherwise, it's, you know, it, it's a real existential threat to how you understand reality, how you understand what, what your history is, what can be known, what, what, you know, what, what is taking place in the world around you. So I'm frustrated with that. I think people just need to relax a little bit, stop pointing the finger, like let the, the quality claims, uh, you know, sort of take hold. Let, let's also be more patient. We're not very good at that either. We like to kind of come to snap judgments. You know, Dan, I'm glad you brought the mummies up. Cause that's a great example of that. You know, we all, and they had a snap judgment on that when it first came out. I certainly did. Uh, but I agree with you. We need to sort of suspend that judgment a little bit and and advocate for further study, detailed study, uh, peer review, all the things that, that well, quite frankly, hard science does. And it's very slow, which is unfortunate. We'd like it to be now, but it takes time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. I don't want to make excuses for, for Bill Nelson. He is 81, I believe, from the Wikipedia search. Um, that's not incredibly old in the scheme of things here, you know. Um, but I think it does speak to something that folks can overlook and forget. If you're listening to this or watching this, you're almost definitely have an interest in the UFO topic. Either that or you've hit the wrong button on your Spotify or Apple chart. Um, there is, a, I think, a misconception by some that any, let's just use politician or someone in that sort of authority setting, 
when they show an interest in the UFO topic or make a comment on it or come out in favour of it, that they spend most of their time looking into the UFO topic and only lobbying for the UFO topic or discussing it. And then when something changes or they make what is perceived as a wrong comment, then they've suddenly done a 180. I'll use Gillibrand as an example of this. Maybe people like myself were just as guilty as overdoing Gillibrand's involvement. Maybe she did have her head turned to nose, but maybe we just looked into it too much. Bill Nelson actually has been quite a champion of the UFO subject, all things considered. That comment was a bit disappointing, and I totally understand that, you know, the, the way he said it, but is he just not infallible? He's human, he's 81 years old, and his comment just wasn't the right one to make. Because even if that is what he thinks, not the place to make it, but he should have been better read than he was than to make that comment, but he made a comment. So I think that's something that folks have to remember. Same with whether it's Burchett, Luna, Biden, Trump, anyone who's commented on the UFO topic, they don't know everything. They probably all don't particularly care to know everything either. So you have to kind of take what you can. And I think the end of the year, my frustration, but I think I took some positives from it, was, and I think I mentioned this, Dan, with you at the time on one of the breakdowns, for so long, so many folks have wanted the the UFO conversation, including me, and I still do, to be at that highest political level especially in the United States. And we got what we asked for and we saw exactly what happens to the UFO conversation at the highest level in the United States. It gets bastardized. It gets politicized. It gets Hollywood, Hollywoodified. You know, it gets like glamorized. I'll use that one's probably better. It, it becomes all of the stuff that we maybe don't want it to be, but it's just a consequence of the conversation having to happen in that arena and I can only imagine and shudder to think what would happen, Graham and Dan, if that happened in, you know, the Houses of Parliament, hearing that level of conversation with those stuck-up figures that we have in British politics, and Graham's right to shake his head, having that conversation. If you think it's bad in the States and condescending, I think it would be embarrassing to hear some well, of that, but it would have to happen. What was it Boris Johnson said recently? Uh, the quote was... <laughs> He was he was asked about uh, Brit, Brit, Britain. Trump was asked about uh, what he thought of UAP, and his answer was, "I might as well tell you now, you faithful ufologists, that there is no evidence whatsoever that is available to the British government to suggest that alien life forms have ever existed." Putting aside the weasel language of plenty of loopholes in there, that's condescending as hell, isn't it? And like anybody yeah. would actually let him into a secret to start with, because you know, <laughs> you know, would would they trust him? So yeah, it's rubbish. Rubbish. Yeah, yeah, and I, I'll stick with my. I'm not political, and I'm not folks. I don't. I really don't care. I'm, I'm not a fan of any politicians. But yeah, I, I I dread to think the day it will it will come and it'll have to come. But when it happens in the UK, it's probably going to be quite embarrassing for folks in the UK to hear the level of condescending, uh, condescending uh, language, the derision it's going to have. But it'll need to happen. But I just think that was that was for me the disappointment of what did happen to it. Um, and I think it's going to feed into one of the questions I'm going to ask you. Actually, I'll ask you guys right now, getting into the listener stuff. Nathan, are you still okay for a little bit of time? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, awesome. Um, guys, so uh, Joey is not my name. It's been really prevalent on the Discord over the last couple of months. Um, hey, Joey. 
Joey it's not his name Dan literally says no sorry yeah Joey's not sorry yeah Yeah. fail miserably that was instant (laughs) Joseph um, he says hey Andy I think a broad talking point should be the consequences of the UAP Disclosure Act the Schumer Rounds Amendment whatever people want to call it which was mentioned earlier in that NDAA and it's failure which appear to be unexpected by most. I don't think that's unfair. Um, And what could possibly be plan B and from who? So again, folks, very quick summary, and I'll I'll, I'll bastardise this just to make it easy. That UFO language is put into the American Defence Bill, which is called the NDAA. It mentioned non-human intelligence, biologics. There's a lot of really cool stuff within it. It got ripped to shreds quite late on. Um, a lot of people held on to the fact if this passed that this was capital D disclosure coming and it got torn to shreds um, by just a handful of politicians with some very interesting and powerful backers, especially those in private aerospace, um, as you would kind of expect. from if, if it was your typical conspiracy theory, it played out exactly as you would expect. Um, the big companies got their way and it was all taken out. Um, yeah, so I'll ask you, gents, first and foremost, let's come to Graham. Um, with that let's call it failure of the disclosure act to pass in a very fruitful way what do you think plan b would be going forward what can you see coming from that i'm not entirely sure is is the honest answer um i'm not sure where they go from there to get to the bit that was missed out but i think it's a hell of a lot better than what we've not had in the past if you'd asked these questions in 2016 you know, where we're going to get this level of coverage, where we're going to get these quite this this language attempted to be passed, you know, through through the American um, through the American lawmaking process, people would just laugh at you, you know, seven eight years ago. So we're in a much better, better position than we were then, and a much better position we were twenty or thirty years ago, where this would have, you know, we just think you were you were you were, you were, you were on some drugs or something if you were you were talking about this kind of thing, or you were you're one of these conspiracy nuts. So yeah, we're in a lot better position, and I think people should be really heartened by the fact that they are at least discussing it and they are trying to get you know, that kind of level of law making through. Yes, okay, it was sabotaged effectively by a handful of people who, as you say, have, I suppose the words you could use were follow the money. Uh, but they certainly had some, you know, questionable connections to various uh, groups and, uh, and companies which may or may not have a hand in actually actively suppressing your know, knowledge of UAP activity and, uh, and craft materials, what have you. Uh, but yeah, going forward, I think we just need to get more of this in a public setting, in, in, in a law-making, decision-making setting. And sooner or later, they will get something through that nobody can then stand up and go, oh, no, this shouldn't be in there, because they'll just get shouted down um, and they won't be able to make it stick. But as long as you have a process that allows them to do that, then unfortunately there will be certain people that will be, you know, be powerful enough and who will have an axe to grind or who will have instructions from somewhere else or just think it's a good idea to scupper language like that. Dan, same question to you. So the legislation is an interesting one because I don't think it was unexpected that it changed. But the difference, it, it's changed in previous years too as it's gone throughout the year. We, we've spoken about this through breakdowns as, it, as it's happened. You know, we spoke about earlier versions and how it changed later. Um, and if you go back, you'll, you'll see us do that for all the other years too. The difference was this year that it was loud. 
And in previous years, it was quiet. You know, we've definitely spoken about before, like, do we want it to not be spoken about and to just slip through without anyone really noticing? And then the article can say, oh, my God, yeah, Trump signed in this UAP bill. Or do we want this thing to go through loudly and have Biden declare, you know, it's open season on UAP? We've seen the results of that, that we start getting blowback. And the blowback has been really interesting to me. So as Graham brought up there, you know, there's some questionable funding practices from private industry from places like Lockheed, uh, you know, in the constituencies where the people who supposedly blocked the bill uh, represent and and work. However, Schumer is also funded by these same interests. So I'm sat here at the end of the year going, did we just witness political theater? We've heard Lockheed wants to divest of this material. We've heard people in government want this material. It just seems like they can't agree on the terms and we're watching political theater take place that will eventually get to where we want it to go, but it's just gonna, you know, be like blood from a stone. The Schumer well, Act itself very very so, quickly, Dan, but is that a little bit and this is where folks like myself I'm speaking for some people who might think like me, who don't fully understand the picture. People say, oh, they're sponsored or funded by Lockheed. That's not Mr. Lockheed saying, here's some money for you, and here's some money for you. Lockheed, like NASA, like the US government, like anything, like the CIA, now I'm being tapped, is a huge huge organization with lots of departments, compartments, various avenues for funding, different budgets within it itself. They'll have differing opinions in it themselves. And it doesn't mean that Lockheed is all bad and against UFOs. There's probably large swaths of people who work for Lockheed who don't know anything about the, sorry, Graham, but the alien technology they're keeping deep below the ground somewhere. That's just probably a fact. I guess the receptionist guy and receptionist girl, they certainly don't know about the alien spaceships that are being worked on. And then, same with NASA, they aren't all sitting there going, is that another UFO caught today on camera? Yeah, but they're brushing it out as we speak. That's just not the case. Have all the astronauts seen UFOs that go into space? I would say a lot of them have, but probably not all of them. So, yeah, there you go. I think that just that just for me is that whole thing of, yeah, they were sponsored by Lockheed, but it's, it's a big organization with lots yeah. of different funding. And do you know what? If you are Mr. Lockheed sitting at the top, why not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, we we saw um, places like Liberation Times and other kind of journalistic outlets get comments from Lockheed this year where they said, you know, we can't comment on UAP, go ask the US government. And that was taken as really suggestive by by people when really, like you say, it's just the press office doesn't know what's going on in the UAP division because they've never been told about it because it's a secret, <laughs> you know? Um, if, if during the Manhattan Project, which was cited plenty of times by Grush as a model that this was, you know, sculpted on, if they just told everyone what they were doing, it would have leaked out far sooner. But there, there are some interesting stories around that where it was revealed through just really silly bureaucratic muck-ups. So, for example, when when all the scientists relocated to Los Alamos, they were told take different modes of travel. So. You know, anyone watching won't know, oh, all of the nuclear scientists are coming to this one place, so they're probably making a nuclear bomb there. So they said, don't all take the train. However, Richard Feynman decided, I'm going to take the train, because if everyone else isn't taking the train, one person on the train isn't going to make a difference. Upon getting on the train, the train guard says to him, oh, you must be the scientist all this equipment is coming for. The US government had put all of the equipment for Los Alamos onto a single train to ship it to Los Alamos and given themselves away. So again, you know, bureaucratic mock-ups and things like that. Um, sorry, back to the back to the Schumer legislation. Um, 
it wasn't it wasn't perfect. You know, we we heard Valet at the Soul Conference and Russell Targ speak up about it. Valet has all of these bits of materials that he's studying. If that legislation was passed, that material would have been confiscated from him, which I'm sure, you know, many people out there will agree. That's not fair. He's been, you know, openly, transparently studying this stuff. This is what we want. So I think you'll you'll kind of see a, a retooling of that. So it's not necessarily hand it over, but it's, hey, let us know you've got it so we can keep track of all this stuff as you're studying it. We'll also see um, basically the the panel, the independent organization come back, I think. Like I said earlier, it's come up too many times to think that, you know, it's not something that the government really, really wants. So we'll see that process happen. And we're going to see basically... At the moment, we've got the Senate and the House, and they butted heads a bit towards the end of this year. We have Schumer and Rounds in the House, uh, sorry, in the Senate, kind of, you know, swinging for home runs now and have declared open season. We've got the UAP caucus in the House with people like Tim Burchett and uh, Representative Luna wanting to kind of swing for the fences. So I think we're going to see these two things starting to come together and get a bit more aligned so that there's more of a forward momentum there. And ultimately, all of this kind of leads me to ask, well, who's in control of disclosure? Who's in control of this process? Are we? Because it certainly doesn't feel like it. And it brings us back to that point again, that the phenomena itself is in control. It could end this debate tomorrow in the next 10 minutes if it wanted to by just revealing itself. But it's nudging got us here. So you have to ponder, um, as as John Keel wrote, uh, we have been victimized by this phenomenon, not just since 1947, but since ever. It is the foundation of all our religious and occult beliefs of our philosophies and our cultures. So you got to wonder, is this process taking place because this is the process that the phenomena itself wants to take place so that society can kind of, you know, like a lobster in a boiling pot. Once it realizes that the truth is is that it's in a boiling pot, it's far too late. Is that the process we're going through? Or have we got to wait for politicians to pull their fingers out to get disclosure? I don't know. But, you know, it's it's an exciting time to be here, right? Nathan, thoughts on that then? So uh, plan B from who? Failure of the UAP Disclosure Act. Yeah, well, I want to say, first of all, I had a, a strong visceral reaction to David Grush saying that the failure to pass the NDAA was the biggest legislative failure in American history. Uh, that's a huge claim. And I thought maybe he was really just sort of being like hyperbolic there not being genuine, but I don't know what David Grush knows. I don't know what he believes would have been un, you know, revealed or, or disclosed had that language actually made its way into the final you know, bill. Um, so I've been thinking about that a lot more. How much, as we talked about earlier, is this subject intricately wrapped up in the history of you know modern the modern world and what we think we know about our history is just completely wrong and we've heard certainly that before and so for him to make a statement like that while i thought it was kind of like a little bit too grandiose and silly uh perhaps he's right that it you know not being able to disclose the, these things and get to the heart of this sort of corruption and and truth is um keeping us in the dark about what really has taken place over the last, you know, hundred or, or thousands of years. That's a big deal. 
Um, what will happen next? I'm not so sure. I'm, maybe I'm a little bit more of a pessimist in this particular year because it is an election year in the United States. And um, I want to remind folks, this could be one of the most volatile election years in our entire history. Um, we have uh, two candidates, two, these, the front-running candidates right now, who are uh, you know, very diametrically opposed. They have very uh, sort of rabid uh, fan bases. Uh, we all maybe recall what happened just a few years ago. Uh, with uh, on the January sixth, uh, you know the thing that took place at the at the Capitol, could that happen again? Absolutely. Uh, could could it get even uglier than that? Absolutely. Uh, I think we live in a very very precarious time, and uh, I I don't know how we're going to get through this particular year without a few. Uh, bruises and scratches and scars even. Uh, and I don't mean that just from the United States standpoint, but I think for the whole world, we're, we're at a very, very difficult time period. And there are a lot of disrupting uh, factors that are that are taking place uh, in the world that we, some of which we can kind of predict, some of which we, we can't. And that's how every year sort of goes. We, we go into the year very bright eyed and then we end up stubbing our toe and going, how did that happen? Well, that's just, that's just life. So uh, I'm I'm not sure I'm not sure what we're going to see. I would like to see uh, you know Schumer you know, sort of get get the pen back to the page and try to draft some new legislation and try to push this forward. I would like to see something come out of what was actually passed, even though I didn't like what was passed. Uh, I do think we're going to see something like that. More likely though, what I think we're going to see is like someone stepping forward, like a David Grush, but with more like bombastic evidence, and and that's going to force the hand of lawmakers to respond. And uh, then we're going to see some very serious legislation that will be passed, election year or not. I think it, you know if we get the right people coming forward from these programs, both within government and within private industry, it will be very, very difficult to ignore those voices. And we will have to do something. The president will have to do something. Uh, you know, then does it become an election issue? Maybe the central election issue of 2024. I mean, I don't want to make that claim that it could be, but I mean, look, stranger things have happened. And in a year a lot like this, where it does seem to be so you know, bizarre and tenuous in terms of what the outcome might be, I wouldn't hold my breath. It's very possible. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I will take the bet from anyone and I'll disappoint a lot of folks here and say that the UFO topic will not be mentioned in any way, shape or form as these elections go on in the United States. Do you, do you think there's a potential that 
someone asks about overclassification and it comes up that way maybe as part of of you know a throwaway just yeah uap and jfk nope. and all this overclass no nope. nothing just nothing nope. at all okay no nope. i think like nathan says i think and again i'm not going to talk about another country's politics that i don't know enough about we see more u.s politics on the uk tv than uk politics folks i can assure you that much it's it's like watching a movie play out um i just think there's too much that can be talked about that the very bottom of the pile will be ufos and dan i just don't even think they'll even need to go into it's going to be i think if anything personalities over anything else in this one and anyone broaching the ufo topic that's just cannon fodder at this point to to be shot down on i just don't think it's it's there as a, a viable card to be played which is why i want to make one quick point on that because i, I tend to agree with you andy if we do hear something about this this year, that makes me think that there's no way out of it. Like the politicians have to talk about it. So if it is going to get discussed in the in the public in the open, their hand is essentially forced because I don't think it's something they would voluntarily want to talk about in this particular year. So uh, if that if the, you start seeing you know more sound bites about that or Biden bringing it up more forcefully or the Congress. Uh, you know, drafting some brand new piece of legislation that has some even crazier language than what the last piece had that tells me like it cannot be ignored because something is happening. Like something is forcing the hand of that conversation. I wonder if the, cause we're due the historical report document that Sean Kirkpatrick said pretty much from the start of the intelligence community's involvement up to now, uh, it should talk about that. So I wonder if there will be something in that document that, causes someone to ask a question about it do you know what i think i'm seeing again i think i'm not over all of that i'm more than happy to see it and talk about it when these things appear or don't appear but it just showed as i kind of suspected when when those the three mics uh along with christ it seems a long time ago now i've had a few weeks off um the uh, mitch mcconnell and someone else who basically managed to get the Disclosure Act ripped to shreds, the language torn out. Um, a couple of people managed to do that. Then all of these folks in the background who do have a hand in what comes out and what doesn't, and what's been at play in Arrow, and what they investigate, what they don't investigate, what's presented to the public, it doesn't really hold hold weight anymore because it's so easy to, to negate it. And again, that takes me back to, and if any of the, the folks on socials with a strong audience and whatever who who do push this stuff, just consider that every time it's coming and the next thing, this is the big thing, it is that easy to for things to go away. And I would just ask them not to sit on the fence and don't be, for the love of God, don't you have to do not push for disclosure and be optimistic, but just try and be logical and look at all sides of this because there's a lot more against us than for us, which is, you know, which is part of the battle and all of this. Um, let me ask in a little bit more then, folks, okay? Um, so just to tell the panel that overwhelmingly um, from folks, it was the hearings from July 26th, David Grush, uh, and I've put there not forgetting Fravor and Graves, who were a part of that, um, telling the compelling mentions that their highlight, and they were the only person to say this, so I thought I'd bring it up, was uh, Kelleher and Lakatsky on the Weaponized podcast confirming nice. David Grush did have access to first-hand info on reverse engineering programs. I'm surprised more didn't come up for the Lakatsky stuff especially, and his comments um, from that. Um, very quickly, very quick thoughts, folks, on that one. Dan, I'll come to you first. Um, so, following up from that, uh, I remember like, uh, 
Kalaha speaking about project consciousness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that that's something that we see going forward from them now, kind of reporting a bit more on what they did. Um, but I'm curious because as as compelling as what Lekaski said is, he's back in the story that Grush is presenting, yet those two stories don't line up. So there's still discrepancies between those two places. So I read and I watch with curiosity and, and I look forward to seeing where it goes. Graham? I need more information. I'm just waiting to see. Um, it's usually my kind of you know sort of starting point and um, I'm still not like I don't have enough information to be able to tell you to say one way or another so I'll just wait and see muchas gracias for the Spanish speaking audience there uh, and Nathan yeah I'm waiting for the uh, Lekatsky to get out of the bag so uh, whenever that happens and hey. uh, uh, I'll be more interested I mean it was definitely an interesting interview and uh, there were a lot of really cool tidbits from that that we should take very seriously. Uh, Lekatsky doesn't seem to be in any hurry or have any urgency to, you know, put throttle down here. So it'll be very interesting to see kind of the role that he plays in a more public conversation. Should that take place? Um, I'm glad somebody mentioned it because it it absolutely was one of the big highlights of 2023. Um, A few honorable, honorable mentions did come in for Danny Sheehan. Now, Danny Sheehan, I think came to prominence later in the year. As things went on, um, it was almost the face of the topic for a couple of weeks, the way it seemed. Um, he was involved with the NDAA, Schumer Rounds Amendment conversation, putting a bit of pressure on things. He put the legwork in, but it seemed quite mixed in terms of what impact people thought he was having. I think sometimes people get confused as to where Danny Sheehan sits in this topic, given his heavy involvement with Stephen Greer. His representation of Stephen Greer, his appearances on his various uh, pieces of of uh, cinema media. Um, also, then he represented or represents Lou Elizondo. Does he still represent Lou Elizondo? I've not heard to the contrary. Um, no, I don't believe. Yeah, okay. He does not know. No, um, and I think towards the end there, people just weren't quite sure where it was all sitting so yeah but that's 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 fair um it came in quite danny's danny's a curious one i'm sure i'm not alone when i say this and i'm just gonna say it and huge respect for danny and i know certain things that he's done and been involved in that were phenomenal and, and you know huge human justice moments but i still sometimes struggle with why danny is meant to be infallible and I feel like people just take his word as gospel and I don't quite understand why. Now, that's on me. I need to do the work to figure that out. But I, I wonder how many people are out there and if that's to blame for the, you know, some people taking it as gospel and some people just dismissing it entirely. I don't think he is meant to be. That's You're right to say that. Um, but like I've said to you before, Dan, and that, like no one in this subject is meant to be. Anyone's quite right to to go along and have people they champion or lean on more than anyone. But I don't know anyone that I've got respect for in this topic who hasn't made a mistake along the way or done or said something I don't agree with. That doesn't mean you have to put everything they say or do in the bin. And Dan, you know, we've had this conversation about general things in life just because someone has opinion A or says B doesn't mean you have to hate everything about them or yeah, 100%. decide I, everything I, they've said or done is yeah so you're, you're totally right to say that like since since we had that conversation i think of it in terms of movies you know kevin spacey a lot of dodgy stuff around him but i can still watch his films without without agreeing with his beliefs you know house of cards what a series yeah yeah so yeah 
I'll, I might take that out later on. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> leave it in. Leave it in. Kevin will listen. Uh, yeah, Nathan, Kevin Spacey fan? No, I'm not asking. Um, <laughs> Nathan, what are your thoughts then on, on Danny Sheehan? He is a huge personality, isn't he? He does. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm in total agreement here. We Well, the community takes often lack nuance, and that's one of my biggest frustrations with the social community. There's there's very little room for nuance. Uh, Danny absolutely has some good information. Um, he talks to people who have good information. He is connected. Not 100%. Yeah. 100%. Danny also has some strong like beliefs and leading hypotheses as to what is going on. He has a bias. I mean, shocking. We all have a bias. So I have to take a lot of what Danny says with a little bit of grain of salt. I have to measure that against what other people say and not take it all as gospel. It's like if I believed everything Steve Bassett said, you know, I'd be out a lot of money right now because it's the same kind of thing. They make a lot of old claims that don't end up coming true. That's not to say that they aren't passionate about the subject. They have great connections. They have, you know, solid information. But, you know, people get, get get things wrong and sometimes motivations are mixed and sometimes conclusions are just inaccurate. I mean, we all make some inaccurate conclusions. I think you got to listen to what he says, but uh, I would be a little cautious to take everything that Danny's saying to the bank, just like I would from any any person, any person who claims or, or we think they might have the best knowledge or closest information or best access. You know, I would always encourage caution in, in what they say and not take that as 100% truth. Yeah. And finally, Graham? Yeah, trust but verify. I mean, you know, people like this can say things that, like, you know, match what you think and therefore, you know, they they come with the same bias that you have. So therefore, people will, you know, sort of like, think oh yeah you know he's telling the truth but i I don't know from my point of view i've watched him enough to just think i don't know i really don't know whether you're right or you're wrong um so i just go away thinking oh well that's an interesting story it's an interesting claim but we'll have to see whether it pans out as nathan said you know i don't know what his um his uh, hit or failure rate is in terms of what he's claimed but i bet it's not like you know it's probably 50 percent or maybe less um, I just don't know, um, you know. And yes, he's he's worked with some maybe questionable people um, in the past, but then he's worked with other people that we trust as well. So it just it's it's another frustrating one because you, you sit and listen to what pe- people like that say, and at the back of your head you're thinking that can't be right, and other bits you're thinking that yeah I really believe that, and you just come away probably no wiser than you were when you started you you have all this information in front of you and it sounds brilliant but you just wonder how much of it is accurate and how much are they trying to say what they think people want to hear as well so i i just genuinely don't know um and it's like everybody else you have to pick the people that you trust uh, and the people who you think they're just talking bullshit so i just don't know i really don't know for example i don't even believe andy's in a shed right now he's not He's not shivering <laughs> enough to put. I mean, the, the temperature around here. Oh no! How's your how's your heated socks going? <laughs> I, I've got my heated socks on. Funny enough, nice. actually, oh, you can't see because it's so dark back there. But yeah, the tumble dryer for anyone on YouTube. And here you go, since it's late, the tumble dryer and the boxes are on that side. So yeah. <laughs> um, there you go. Peek behind the actors' curtain. Um, but the heated socks are on and working very well. And I actually, again, for the YouTube viewers, um, believe me if you're on the audio, that is my long hot water bottle, which surrounds my waist. And oh my God, it's cold when I take that away. Um, <laughs> I'm about to knock a cable here. But yeah, um, 
Thank you. And finally, let's wrap up because we've recorded for as long now on 2023 as I expected to doing the whole thing. So thank you, gents, for that. I think it was largely due to Dan's monologue at the start. Um, yeah, there was up. like a 45 minute. <laughs> there was. Yeah. I think the bandwidth for my entire area went down at that point, uh, as Dan. But it was it's all good. Um, so we'll come back and record separately for 2024. People have jobs, lives and everything else to go on with. Um, but final question uh, from Gnosis. Is it G-N-O-S-I-S? I ask this all the time. Gnosis? Gnosis? Gnosis. 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 I just can't pronounce it. Gnosis. Silent G. Yeah. Um, good guy. Based in the Northeast. Only to meet up sometime soon. Um, he says, the abduction phenomenon has been documented since the 1960s, peaking in the mid-90s before going into a steady decline in recent years. What did the panel feel as the driver behind this decline? Um, uh, the phenomenon has stopped abducting as many people, as the abductions were mainly a psychological phenomenon whipped up by the cultural zeitgeist of the time, or it hasn't declined and there are just a lack of outlets in the mainstream for abductees and no appetite for it, an increasingly sceptical world. So I will come to Nathan first on that one. The abduction phenomenon... Where where do you sit? Because I think it is fair. In twenty twenty three, there wasn't a whole lot of chatter or discussion around abductions. Why is that? Yeah. Well, um, Graham Graham's going to love answering this one. By the way, oh, I, uh, I, I can't wait. <laughs> uh, so, I've I've stated publicly that abductions are not far behind when we use terms like agreements and. That is a term that David Grush used in his interview, that there have been agreements. Um, a lot of things become on the table if certain things are true. And a lot of things that are uncomfortable, uh, abductions certainly being one of them. I take those accounts very seriously. I also take their conclusions uh, like a little bit loosely. Uh, and I recognize that there is a, a range of human experience, some of which may not include abductions at all. It's, it's a tough issue. Um, I have heard uh, that they stopped because that they weren't necessary any longer. Like it was a very sort of pointed thing that needed to be done. And uh, it happened for a certain period of time to a lot of people. And it's no longer you know, either part of an agreement or necessary. It, total... Obviously, complete speculation. I don't have a great source on this. That's just what I have heard. Um, it, it speaks to the fact that this history is super weird. And there's a lot of things lurking in the closet there that are going to come out if some of these claims are in fact true. And, and I think the question for all of us is how many additional facts will come out? How much will we really learn? And how far will official government you know, spokespeople go and what they're willing to share. Um, yeah, abductions are, are really tough. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We'll come to Graham on that one. Abduction phenomenon, I know, is something close to your heart as a discussion. You like getting into the details on this one, Graham. Hit me with it. I don't have an opinion on on abductions. I know people have asked me before. It's because I don't have a frame of reference. So it's not like I've been abducted myself as far as I'm aware. So I can't really um, sort of get my head around the, all the implications. I've read a lot about it, um, you know, historically. Um, the, the stuff I used to read in the 70s and 80s had, had things like this. It still goes on. My Facebook side of things, I mean, I'm not very active on Facebook nowadays, but the groups I'm still part of, there's still a lot of talk of abductions in those. Mm. Um, so it's not like it seems to have gone away. I mean, if I was going to speculate, and you know how much I love to speculate, Andy, um, I would su- maybe suggest that that the nuts and bolts side of things took over in 2017 with the the, the three videos that came out, and then the, the, everything that came out since then. You know the, the things that um, that, that uh, the, uh, George and Germany have, uh, Germany have, have sh- shared, uh, and, and some other um, videos, etc. I know how Nathan loves these videos as well, these photographs, but. Um, I think that side of things has taken over and hints of, of craft and materials. Um, you know, it's taken over from the abduction side, which was more to do with maybe uh, Dan's, you know, the woo side of things uh, rather than physical things that you can actually evidence by, you know, but by things that you can, you can see and you can hold rather than stories of being people being taken away to, to craft or being experimented on or, and all the rest of it. Um, like I say, I can't get my head around all that because I don't have a frame of reference, but I would suspect that if it has died away in terms of the numbers of reports, it's only because other things have supplanted it and it's not because maybe that's that you know with all due respect to what nathan said it might be just that it's taken it's second it's playing second fiddle now to all the rest of the stuff that's happening and to things that's happening in government and it may come a time when it, it's, it's back on the agenda again who knows uh, and dan uh so the i think the last time abductions were in brought up in the subject kind of in modern times uh, since 2017 was in the end of unidentified season two the last episode was focused around two military guys who got abducted and that was the last time we heard it brought up and yeah i'm, I'm curious as everyone else you know uh, on a basic level it seems you know putting ourselves in the shoes of those doing the abducting uh we would have a scientific project ongoing so if it has stopped, I guess the scientific work has finished. I, I've read a lot of um, abductee cases recently where the abductees all say they were given a number and the number never goes above three digits. And that's really curious because you you obviously you hit 999 and it maxes out. No one's like, I'm number two billion and five, you, you know? Um, so I wonder if all of those little points or all those people have been nudged or maybe they only needed 999 people to do it. There's... A lot from, I mean, I'm Andy. I'm, you're, you're talking soon to Terry Lovelace, right? Yeah. And Terry Lovelace's story is incredible because it's not just the abduction, but there's a whole series of events around it, including a nursery in a spaceship and, and a figure that keeps popping up throughout his life. 
that seems to suggest abductions are to do with hybridization. And when I say that, I don't mean, you know, necessarily that we're going to get humans with big eyes and so on and so forth, but maybe another species was here to put genes in people who are compatible with them so that their genes live on even though their race is, is going to die off. We just don't know. But the truth of it is that it's a really scary reality. And can you imagine Gillibrand, for example, being asked about abductions and then saying, oh, yeah, you know, I know about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're real and something can come through your bedroom wall at night and the door locks do nothing and they're going to take your eggs and sperm and artificially inseminate you like you treat cattle. Uh, Does that answer you? You know, it's a really big thing for people to get their head around. Um, you got to wonder as well if the whole idea of Jacques Vallée's kind of holographic representation has changed. You know, maybe they don't need abductions. That's not some way that they can interface with us anymore. But then another part of me thinks, well, what if people are still being taken and they just stop bringing them back? I've got a slightly different answer to this one. Um, and I'm just trying to look up some stuff as you guys were talking there as well. <clears throat> so when you say, or when people say that it doesn't happen as often or as reported less, is that not just due to the fact of social media that people don't report things how they used to or record things how they used to, that any incidents of abduction would be in the, the magazines, Graham, back in the day, or VHS you would go pick up from a local video store would have interviews with abductees, and it would still be limited. They weren't, you know, there wasn't 100 videos coming out every week on abductions. Um, there was no media reports that weren't laughing at these people either. So I think the reporting, it's just the, the way of the reporting hasn't changed. If anything, if you jump online now and type in alien abduction into Twitter, any number of videos come up from the last few days with millions of impressions and millions of engagement. So does that not mean there's more reporting and more people see it? However, you are just more likely now to see it and scroll past it because let's be fair, gents, any number of us, if you go onto your Twitter feed and you see someone posting 280 characters, a story of their abduction, you'll look, you'll go, oh, you might like it. You might retweet it. You might comment, but you go past it and you go on to the next one. That's modern day. So I don't think people who did necessarily report back in the day, even then, who do you report to? Very small organizations with all due respect to MUFON and such. You go on social media and you mention it on there and it's liked, it's talked about, it's scrolled past, that's it. So for me, it's just the way things report and and not to go into the conversation for the love of God because the hate you would get, but I'm not qualified to either. But from a mental health point of view, how much of that these days would just be put down to mental health issues, whether they are genuinely being abducted, and I've said that does happen, or not. So I just think it's the way things are reported these days, and that goes for a lot of things outside of that. Um, Any number of different things. A curious and growing part of the community as well, I think, that is starting to think of abduction as a consciousness phenomena, that what's presented to us. You know, people are actually taken... They experience it in their heads, but it's still very real. So in that sense, people are going to be talking about it differently, right? Like you said, you searched alien reduction there. Maybe they speak about it in religious terms or something like that. Um, They might use the term download, but they might also say, I've seen Ezekiel's wheel, and that's not going to come up in your search, right? Um, Cattle mutilations in Europe are often reported as vampires. And there was one, you know, in the last 20 years that that was reported as vampires raining bodies. So that labeling there as well, I think, is probably coming into play too. Let me ask you for one final question and I'll go around yes or no. 
Will we hear alien abductions mentioned in the way we have biologics, non-human intelligence by folks like Grush in 2024? I'll just ask Dan, yes or no? No. Graham? No. Nathan? Yeah, I'll go with no here as well. Hmm. Unanimous. Uh, I've not said yes or no. Uh, Okay. (laughs) What what do you think? Uh, no, yeah, uh, unanimous. Uh, yeah, no. Going against the grain there, I see. I agree, and I think I've, in all seriousness, so I, when I've interviewed the, a lot of the experiencers, like uh, Jay Christopher King and uh, some of the folks part of that experiencer group, um, I made the point to some of them, you know, that I think Jonathan Davies, when I spoke to him, he was very adamant that people in the governments were against and downplaying the abduction phenomenon. And I asked him, you know, how do you know there aren't folks sitting at those very tables who themselves aren't abductees and aren't discussing that? And he, 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 I think, again, if I go back, he said himself, you know, that, that could be right, yeah. So um, I just don't think the conversation's in that place. I think if David Grush had stood up in Congress at that hearing and started going on about alien abductions, any credibility he was trying to build and gain, rightly or wrongly, Again, this is no slight on any experiencer or abductee, would have went right downhill very quickly. And even the folks who want to back him and push this forward, that's not A to B to C, that's A to B to X and beyond. And it's too much. It's, a good way of putting it. yep. it's, it's too much at this time. So I think it's still baby steps. Um, but that, that will come eventually. And Nathan, like you say, with a whole host of other things. And I think you lump that into, and this sounds ridiculous, but I think it's fair insurance claims for military personnel who have had encounters with ufos that'll come into it eventually this could be the new ppi for the love of god down the line but we are we are not there yet with these can, companies blasting your radio adverts. i can imagine the ambulance chasing adverts for uh, ufo abductees do you know what and oh it might be a light-hearted way to finish it off but i think that is genuinely a place where people maybe don't think of this conversation going and i'd in a real modern world setting of no big Independence Day style invasion and there's no, you know, happy medium. I think of that world of, of people who have watched District 9 where aliens end up in a slum or integrating in some way, shape or form, some other intelligence with us. There would be insurances based on this. You could buy protections based on abductions, alien visitations, you know, coming into contact with substances from other planets all of that would become genuinely something you would hear about on radio, TV, social media posts. Influencers would be doing it and selling these products. All of that would genuinely happen in my... But I think that's just a whole other side of this topic. And I, yeah. I can see the small print now. It'll say something like, since ancient civilizations viewed these beings as gods, this is an act of God and therefore you cannot sue. Yeah. Sponsored by Manscaped. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, but listen, gents, let's leave it there. Um, this went a hell of a lot longer than I expected just for the first part. Um, so we'll, we'll leave it here. That's been 2023. We will look at 2024. We'll come together in a separate recording in the next couple of days. If you're all free, I think you've said in the chat, that would be fine. Um, so if you're listening to this, we won't have recorded the 2024 piece just yet. Uh, I don't think but I've got a lot of material for that already from folks who have contributed online so thank you very much Um, Graham thank you Dan thank you Nathan thank you so much Um, it's been good chatting with you all been good to see you Um, 
Dan and Nathan, thank you for having a modern day internet connection. Graham, in about 12 minutes when you hear me and see me saying this, thank you so much for joining me. Um, there's been a slight lag on Graham's end that hopefully none of you encounter or see. But yeah, you know, what is time? That's a whole other question we'll ask on another day. So, gents, thank you very much, and I'll speak to you all very, very soon. That is all for this episode. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget to leave the podcast a review on your chosen platform. Apple and Spotify do make a huge difference to the algorithm. If you're checking the show out on YouTube, please don't forget to like and leave a comment on here as well. Any sharing you do is very much appreciated on any social media platform. And finally, you can listen to shows ad-free and sponsor-free in their glorious full versions by subscribing for less than the price of a coffee on Apple, Spotify, just search That UFO Podcast Premium YouTube, you can sign up and be a member or you can do that through patreon.com. Thank you very much for listening folks It wasn't a tic-tac and not quite a saucer, more like a hubcap designed by Chaucer, a little baroque and quite steampunk, like Alice was playing bass for the parliament of folk The little fucker hovered right inside of my window and when I shoved out the screen he made it an issue I don't think he expected me to see his ass but I'd had some champagne and